the really fast one. Like Kurosawa, I don't make films. Okay, I don't make films, but it's not right. This is the hard part. Which one is this? This is. If I knew what the first <laughs> lyric is, I could do the rest of it. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's it's really fast though. That's the fast part. Yeah, there was a time where I knew it because we were trying to cover it. Mm. So, like, I know the second line is something like "gonna get the kind with tiny nose." <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let it come to you. Gonna get a set of shiny clubs. Gonna get the. Gonna get a set of shiny clubs. Gonna get the tiny kind, the kind with tiny nose. Because my arm. Yeah. All right. Gonna get a set of. Ah. Okay, relax. My relax. list doesn't yeah. work with this. No, that's fine. Gonna Just... get a set of shiny clubs. Gonna get the kind with tiny nose because my arms are always flying off the backswing. <laughs> Hell yeah! Dog. And uh, you're really putting yourself out there right now. I love it. Something about wanting to fuck Sailor Moon happens next. Really? There's a line in in that song about fucking Sailor Moon. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know the things you learn every day at the movie so blues podcast. Sailor Moon because that anime babies pick the boom anime babies that make me think the wrong thing. <sighs> How can I help it if I think you're funny when you're yeah. mad? Trying hard not to smile, though I feel bad. I'm the I'm kind of guy that laughs at a funeral. Can't understand what I mean, well, you, you soon, soon will. will. I have a tendency to wear my mind on I'm my sleeve. sleeve. I have a history of taking off my shirt. My shirt <laughs> functions. It's brown. Um, it's brown. <clears throat> One week since you looked at me. I'm Cocked your head to the side and said, I'm sorry. I'm Three str- days since I laughed at you and said, you just did just what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> I'm, str- <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling with this cold open thing that I've prepared. God, great. I think, like, I'm just not going to do it. Perfect. At all. If you're even thinking that, that I'm going on the record of saying I'm against it highly. Well, listen. last time you... <laughs> last time uh-huh. you expressed this, it involved you considering wearing blackface. <laughs> right. But, but look, uh, this one... Okay. Yes, we are doing um, a movie that is about sexual assault. And... Yes, that movie is starring Kylo Ren, my favorite fictional character, ironically, from the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I can't tell if I actually like Kylo Ren. Here, right right next to me, I think I have an... Yeah, right here. I have an action figure of Kylo Ren. I'm going to set him up. Hold on. I don't think I actually like Kylo Ren, though. I think this started as irony and now has evolved into semi-truth. Um, you love that motherfucker, dude. You want to marry him. He's super handsome. <laughs> You saw his character in Girls, and you were like, that's my boy. He was so good in Girls. <laughs> um, no, I have this I have this cold open set up that's like a, it's kind of like a teleplay type situation. And I tried to figure out how to like write you into it or give you lines. But then ultimately it was like, I, I didn't want to, A, I didn't want to put words in your mouth. It was a teleplay about rape. Not a... It's about rape, but it's not as bad as it sounds. This is like the type of thing, my understanding is, that we're supposed to put trigger warnings before. Right, okay. Uh, you know what? And I think I think actually we should do this. I was thinking about this the other day. We should do this for the podcast in general just to give people just a general feeling about where we're headed to on a daily basis. It's kind of like um, certain pieces of media need trailers. I think we just need just general trigger warnings for our episodes <laughs> yeah. to advertise them uh, properly. At, to, le- at least a, a content warning. Yes. Today's content warning is sexual assault, rape, Kylo Ren. Yeah. 
I mean, go read the plot of The Last Duel, and it's that. <laughs> so, so you want to finish the episode then? That's pretty... <laughs> we all done I'm then? just saying, these are the adult <laughs> themes upon which we're tackling. All right. <laughs> should I do this? I don't know if I should do this. I'm thinking about recording it just by myself. That sounds better for me. That's better for you? <laughs> yeah. Because I figure when I'm going to be doing this, you're just going to be in the background like... <laughs> At so, best. What did you do? Did you write a teleplay? It's a, it's a short selection from a fictional event that I created um, with the use of the soundboard. Uh, Does it involve like Kylo Ren sexually assaulting Ray? No. Okay, so... So are you good then? You're already miles ahead of where I thought your head was I mean, um, we could always do it and <laughs> cut it. <laughs> right. Or I could do it again later when, or yeah, no, or just cut it. The problem is I know you're going to hate it. So it's like, no matter what I do, I'm disappointing the only other person who is part of this. Podcast. If you know, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I honestly don't think you're going to hate it because it's like content wise out of control. I really didn't. It's like PG 13. It's not. It's not horrible. It's just like embarrassing. I, I wrote it when I was really stoned. And then I looked back on it and was like, not a good idea. Save it for the Patreon. I could save it for the Patreon. Um, $14.99 a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the last time I felt like I did something like this and then we did it? I think Dan Endon's, um like Radical Time Quest. Yeah. And you hated that. I had a bad time for that. Um, <laughs> it's basically. <laughs> it's I basically, believe it was called Dan Endon's Super Gay Time Quest. <laughs> no, I think it was called Dan Endon's 100% Straight Safe for Work Time Quest. That was what I made you change it to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I'll I guess I'll hold off on this. It just feels wrong. I feel like I'm going to start it. And then I'm going to instantly regret it. Listener, there is an archive of discarded ideas and content for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but not all of them have like a full page script <laughs> with lines. All right, I should just do it. Yeah, let's, let's go. I should do it. Do I have to participate? No, not at all. But like, I'm sweating right now. I don't feel good about this. Okay, are you more or less skeptical than you were when you were... The blackface? Yeah. Uh, uh, that was the worst thing I ever almost did in my entire life. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want to compare it to that. Especially because I... you were going to do it for an audio medium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was 100% on it. It, it was just for you. <laughs> the disturbing thing about it is I had no, like, self-reflection beforehand at all. Which is, like, I want to say how most people roll into blackface. <laughs> They're like, no, this is not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm the context is right. Yeah, right. Um, the context is never right. Nope. I don't think jokes about sexual assault. I mean, are the, is there ever a good context for that? Should we find out? Jury's still out. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try doing this. I'm going to try doing this. This okay. might be the whole episode. It's just me trying to do this and then it being bad and then us just being done. All right. And you took the time to set up samples for this as well. Yeah. So, like, I, yeah, I should do this. That's a lot of work. But, like, imagine I was also going to bring in, like, some Star Wars music, maybe some, like, on-the-ship ambiance, like right, the yeah. sound of, like, a ship purring, yeah. something. I was going to make you, like, the judge character. And then I was like, I don't want to put Dan in a position where he's participating in something that he will regret other than this podcast. 
Like, it doesn't have to be worse than making you do the podcast. Yeah, right. You know it's what all, I mean? it, at any given point, it's already, like, at a place where if any of my coworkers heard it, it would get dicey. Right. So for that reason and many more, my name is D.S. Lyons, and I produced, wrote, and will now perform a short teleplay called Kylo Ren Gets Accused of Rape. So uh, <clears throat> open uh, to exterior of the Hall of the Grand Inquisitor of the First Order, where Kylo Ren is being put on trial. <laughs> Um, enter the room, um, strong, extremely sharp looking, um, not Jewish at all looking, um, uh, inquisitor who works for the empire. Mr. Wren, welcome to the hall of the grand inquisitor of the first order. We have called this meeting today to ascertain your involvement in regards to report number 9676 filed on the date of the invasion of Tatooine. Is it true you were the commander in chief of this operation? You know the truth. Yes, Mr. Wren, I think we all do. And to combat these serious charges you've come to Coruscant to personally answer for the crimes that you now face? You know what I've come for. <laughs> then we should... I'm, not, I'm only laughing because I've just felt a tickle. Then we should all get started, Mr. Wren. Do you recall Glop Blocka, a female Tusken raider who you came in contact with the day of the Tatooine invasion? The one from the village. Yes, Kylo, yes. The one from the Tuscan village. I'm sure you remember her because she remembers you. Upon ripping her hut door off its hinges with a force pool, you forcibly entered Miss Glorp's domicile. Do you remember what you first told her upon entry? I'll show you the dark side. No, no. According to Miss Blocker, you said... And now you're going to give it to the First Order. <laughs> I regret this so much already. Uh, <clears throat> yes, that was it. According to Glorp, you then unsheathed your weird and kind of douchey lightsaber and said what? You come from nothing. You're huh. nothing. Mm -hmm. So you stripped Miss Glorp of her agency, her decency. You reduced her to a mere puppet of the dark side. I'll show you the dark side. And according to Ms. Glorb's testimony, you then removed her traditional Tuscan garb with the Force, and then began lightly Force choking her, but just enough so that it felt kinda good. Is that true? You know the truth. <clears throat> and what did you want at that moment, as you held Ms. Glorb in your grasp? More! More! Aha, yes, more. And more is what you took, is it not? And now you're going to give it to the First Order. <laughs> Dan, Dan has his head in his hands right now. <laughs> Dan, at, at the halfway point here, how are you feeling about this so this far? This is only the halfway point. Well, no, I think there's only like three or four more lines. Were you feeling good about this? Has this gone as well as you'd hoped? Dude, you are an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your takeaway, huh? Dude, the amount of work. And what did Miss Glorp say to you as you held her in your grip? I'm sorry, could you say that a little bit louder for the audience? Lector! Oh, yes, yes. And when you didn't, what did she say? No, no, you're still holding on! <laughs> How are you so familiar with Kylo Ren's dialogue that you were able to conceptualize all of this? Now, now you must understand, Mr. Ren, how all of this sounds. And at this point, how much more did you really want? More! So then you took it. And as Miss Glorp says, you then whipped out your member and began splitting her sandy Tuscan cheeks. Did you say anything to her during this assault? You come from nothing. You're nothing. 
That's extremely degrading. Now we will. <laughs> now, now, now we will pass this over. <laughs> now we will pass this over to the High Grand Inquisitor, Mister Endon, to give his final ruling on the case. Don't say my fucking last name in Mi this segment, <laughs> Mister Dan Endon. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is your ruling for Commander Ren? Um. I mean, don't we need to cross-examine some witnesses or something? That's not how empires work. Okay, then guilty. Let's just pretend like it ended. I'm going to say something, but I need you to also cut that out. Cut what out? What I'm about to say. Well, okay, go ahead. Is that when you asked for my ruling, <laughs> what I almost said was, well, do we know what she was wearing? <laughs> I, and I just want to make something clear. You saw what I just did to myself yeah. in general, and you want me to cut what you just said. Yes. I, just I want have, you to cut all of it, probably. I, have, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was value in that. <laughs> That's not a net positive for the culture. Guys, here, you know what? Like, this is why... You need to, like, isolate that and put that up on some sort of, like... YouTube that's linked to 4chan that has nothing to do with the podcast's <laughs> brand. Yeah, so I don't want to sully the podcast's brand, God forbid, with that bit. Because we were really wholesome up until I did that. I do, I do feel like if you put that on YouTube, there is an audience for it. Uh -huh. But I don't want to be associated with that audience. Some people say the same thing about our whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, shout out Justin Berger. He's like, you guys would be better off on YouTube. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he did say that. He did say that, but I, I'm going to just, I'm going to nail it home one more time. I don't want to be on video. <laughs> because of a couple things. I like controlling the edit, right. you know, right, right. Uh, being the central among that. It but instantly doubles the editing. Yeah, I mean, it would double the work for me. Double is not even, Yeah, it would like quadruple the work for yeah. me. Um, and um, I honestly just don't think we're very photogenic. Like, do you really want to look at us? Type in the comments if you're listening to this episode. If you have any interest in seeing me say and do all these things, uh, I'm doing, like, pot the whole time. I don't want that on the internet. And I don't want to not do pot. Yeah. It's just bad. Can I have some of that pot? Yeah. I'm going to catch it. You're sullying our <laughs> reputation, Dan. Pot is a YouTube drug. All right. Um. Um, no. If anything sullied our reputation, it was the 14 consecutive episodes of Seagram's Escape Stats. <laughs> Do you think people know that that was ironic or i think it's it depends how often they listen okay so it's um, probably a wash <laughs> today, because it's not like we don't also then actually talk about how delicious they are yeah it's really honestly not that ironic it's just ironic that we're like wrapping it but they are delicious highly suggest anybody actually getting a serum's escape and just enjoying it yeah, drink happy. <sighs> all right, last duel, six out of ten. Y'all good? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so today, everybody, we're going to um, move from highly embarrassing um, Star Wars-related sexual assault fantasies um, to 
And by the way, to answer your question, how do I know enough about Kylo Ren's dialogue? I didn't. I went to a YouTube video that was just his dialogue from The Force Awakens, and then it is literally that rapey just off the bat. Like, <laughs> isolated by itself, I only had to skip like three or four quotes. They're all so bad because like, the whole movie of Force Awakens is Kylo Ren running around like trying to take things from people. Right. You know what I mean? He's like, give me the map. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> it gets to a point where it's like, every single person he comes in contact with, like Poe, Ray, everything, it's always like an interrogation. It's always very forceful, um, etc. Yeah, he's a strong man. I'm saying it wrote itself. And thank you to J.J. Abrams for mocking up that dialogue for me um, very carefully so that it could be used for these purposes. Christ. Um, today we will be doing... That was psychotic, Dan. The Last Duel, <laughs> which is... Um, it took me like a half an hour to put that together. It really was so easy, but um, I don't I, want anybody to think that. That might be worse, because that means you, <laughs> you nailed that script. You had such a burst I, of inspiration I that just, you wrote yeah. a two-page script uh, in four minutes. That's <laughs> how I write. <laughs> you know, you had we, an entire treatment. You, you went from concept to treatment to well, executed final product. Writers really yeah. say that there's the moment where the story breaks, and for me, that was invasion of Tatooine and clapping sandy cheeks. I was like, because... Originally, of course, it was going to be about raping Ray, right. but um, I, I, st I, knew it. I started knew thinking it. about that and was like, that is terrible. And and I did that for you. I, <laughs> I, I and, and you know what? It's it's pretty fucked up that you agree that in by making it a Tuscan woman, that somehow that is better. Um, that's it's, racist. It's because we don't have any like they don't have any personhood as an actual character. We have no like emotional attachment to them. <laughs> Which that's a fault of fucking JJ. That's yeah, goddamn Tuscan it. woman erasure. He bought. He brought this on himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because of what JJ was wearing. You know what I mean? Jesus. <clears throat> anyway, today we're going to do the first Ridley Scott movie we've covered on this podcast. Uh, somehow, some way, uh, this turned out to be the one. Um, yeah, we were waiting for him to meet the same heights he had made with he had met with Alien. Right. I was more like waiting for him to match the same heights of our podcast <laughs> in, in, in terms of content, which honestly the first, um, and it's been on our list now for three or four like seasons, the first Ridley Scott movie I wanted to do for this podcast was and is The Counselor. Um, one of the most challenging movies I've ever seen in my life, but I don't know if that's worth the discussion because I don't know anybody that's even going to ever watch The Counselor. Right. Um, but God, that movie Much is... Much like Dear Evan Hans. Yeah, that movie is absolutely cursed. Um, <laughs> much like Dear Evan Hansen, which we'll be covering next week on the podcast. Um, and yeah, so this is kind of a strange thing for me because like Ridley Scott is clearly my favorite director. Do I think that he is the best director alive? Absolutely not. There's no world... I hope I've... Through the the month-long Ridley Scott thing I did and all that, I, I I don't know if I made it clear enough that I don't, like, think that he's the best. I just happen to have a very strong connection with more of his works than anyone else. And I love the dude's attitude, which is terrible. He has one of the worst attitudes ever. <laughs> um, but what I also really enjoy about Ridley Scott is that he's one of the few directors that conceives of his projects, like, on a notepad with... Um, animatics with storyboards that he he makes and this is up into his late 80s now that he's doing this so props to Ridley Scott the dude does not have a perfect career of any kind but for me obviously Alien and Blade Runner are like tent poles of of world cinema that will forever resonate and someone was recently trying to tell me that Blade Runner sucks 
Oh, lots of people think. I mean, when it came out, it got trashed and it went nowhere. Oh, spoiler alert. It was the guitarist of my band. Mm. Have not heard much about him from you, but I will ask you about it after the pod. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I... Shout out to Max Feeman for thinking Blade Runner 2049 shits on the original Blade Runner. <sighs> I'm not going to like... I'm not like going to lose my mind over that take because Blade Runner 2049 is so fucking good. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I think it's great, but I, I think shit, it's great too. Shits but on is an awful. Not to be like, but no. not to hold the position of one was awesome and the other's a piece of shit. I could see a person who is on the younger side of things who didn't well, he, grow he, up. He's young intellectually. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so then he's definitely going to be listening to this podcast. I'm going to make. I'm going to make sure he listens to this podcast. <laughs> he'll not make it through the the rape teleplay. That's not. He'll be. <laughs> That's that's being deleted. It's <laughs> not being deleted. Um, that was chaos. Um, okay, so uh, maybe it'll be cut down. A put little it bit at the end, just to like ride. Maybe better. put it at the end. And then what is this whole episode we're going to be talking about over and over again? It'll be at the end. It's going up front. I'm even deleting what came before it. It's actually going to be the only part of the episode. I'm going to delete this too. <laughs> I'll just release that. <laughs> Two and a half minutes you, of me losing my You should mind. release it as like a, uh, like the Movie Blues podcast presents. And oh, then we yeah. have like a whole new podcast featuring other people who aren't us. And this is like their like trailer to their future podcast, which is the fucking 2007 hack humor podcast. Are you saying that what I just did was 2007 hack humor? In terms of social acceptability, sure. I think you're a little over-concerned with social acceptability on this podcast for a guy Star wearing Wars a, references were fire. a Defend Equality shirt with a, a fucking <laughs> M16 shooting out a rainbow. It's just an AR-15. I don't give a shit what yeah, it is, Dan. Defend Equality. That's it, a progressive value, Dan. I know it's a progressive value, but like, have a sense of humor, dude. It's a podcast. It's I know. explicit. I we're know, 70 people, episodes in. People get really upset about rape. Stop dragging your feet. People get upset, Dan. You think people get upset about everything. That's not how you should do your art. If you if you went by that standard, you wouldn't play shitty prog music. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, Ridley Scott, favorite director. Um, so many things I love. Um, <laughs> Dan, do you have a favorite? <laughs> I, I'm still digesting that being your comparison to rape skits. <laughs> Look, you got to stop saying rape. <laughs> Trigger warning. My, uh, Can we just go to sexual assault, so, please? Yeah, but for the record, I, yeah. I only have two notes for this movie. Okay, great. And I'm just going to read them both on the front end. Okay, again, I, I produced an entire teleplay. Dan has two notes. Two notes. And he's shaming me and wanting to delete my humor. Two notes. Okay. One, they really say rape a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Two, bleached Affleck. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got a blonde goatee in this, Dan. What do you want? That that was exactly what I um, wanted. I want like the phrase "bleached Affleck" to like mean something dirty. It <laughs> sounds terrible. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, you know, I really, she uh, really gave her the bleached Affleck last night. Right. So this this is not 2007. This Grinchy, is fine. Right? Okay, fine. Um, Ridley Scott. <laughs> My favorite director. <laughs> Giving someone a bleached Affleck is re-wooing them back into a relationship after 10 years of separation. Um, Dan, did you have any, um, like, by way of's or anything for this one? Um, n- like, no. It was like the piano by way of A Knight's Tale. 
I actually love that. <laughs> um, I just have, I don't, I don't know if these are by way of, I just have under the title for Last Duel, A Medieval Me Tooing, <laughs> Canterbury's Canceling, <laughs> and Dark Age Disclosure. That's pretty good. Those are good. Those are pretty good. Those are good. Um, so as you can tell, if you don't know what The Last Duel is, uh, this is a movie by uh, famed director Ridley Scott. Um, it's actually one of two movies that he made this year, including House of Gucci, which if Dan had a bigger ball sack, we would have watched both of those for this. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm be, never going to watch House of Gucci. No, ahead, I'm being just, forced just to watch it. that movie soon. Hell Yes. We should just do it on the Sorry, podcast. Not forced. I'm willingly watching that movie soon with my partner. I am as well, and I will be the forcer in this <laughs> in this uh, parable. And um, uh, maybe we should do an episode on that. I mean, it would really make sense. But if it's kind of just more of the same, we'll see how med- it goes. mediocrity is this movie. Then whatever. Um, so um, this movie was a masterwork. Yeah. <laughs> the last duel is the movie that we're covering today, and um, it's. I'm just going to set it up at its most basic elements. It is uh, a movie in which Matt Damon and um, Kylo Ren play Jacques Legree and Jean de Carouge, respectively, and they are like medieval knights in like the 1300s who um, kind of both work for Bleached Affleck, who is (laughs) dressed and acting like... Um, not as weird as he should be considering the color of his hair. Yeah, he's really got like, he looks like he should be projecting like Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man vibes. 100%. Like mixed with like Mugatu. <laughs> but he's, he's like, that's his like visual vibe while he's just yeah. playing it totally chill. Yeah, Ben Affleck has decided <laughs> to finally relax yeah. 75 movies into his career. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to play the straight man in this one. Yeah. And then they dressed him like a clown. <laughs> They put him in orgy scenes. And, oh, yeah. The dude was fucking constantly. And the man refused to have an ounce of charisma. Like, it was so... <laughs> it was so relaxed. Dan, his name was Pierre. I know. I you know. can't be a bleached blonde French lord named Pierre. I mean, he wrote this part for himself, probably. He did not. No? In fact, <laughs> this movie was supposed to be starring him and Matt Damon as the main two characters. Okay. Ben Affleck had to pull out forcibly... Uh, due to scheduling conflicts. What the fuck does he have scheduling conflicts with? <laughs> His NA meanings. <laughs> um, so uh, then Kylo Ren was brought in to replace Ben Affleck, which I think, like, I really would have wanted movie to could see- have been Matt versus Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. Dude. Oh, my God. It was going dude. to be like the alien versus predator of 90s Miramax movies. <laughs> God. Oh. <laughs> Um, Especially the way I heard Matt Damon talking about the process of writing the script mm-hmm. on WTF, like right. that makes so much more sense because he was like, he's like, yeah, me and Ben really connected. We were like bringing what we had learned over the last two decades to the table, and I'm like, now that I know that what they were sitting there doing was writing this, writing a movie for the two of them to fucking just, yeah. fuck, dude, that would have been killer. I, I know, Dan. So We've that's... been robbed by Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was like, uh, I think I might have a shot with J Lo. <laughs> That was a scheduling conflict. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to bail real quick. <laughs> so I'm out. Yeah. Um, he's like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have this back tattoo, and I really need to gain some clout back. Now let's dial it back a little bit. A, Google Ben Affleck back, back tattoo. It is one of the craziest things you'll ever see if you don't know what we're talking about. It is truly wild. Secondly. It looks so painful <laughs> for so little return. 
like so many of his movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that literally, that tattoo sums up the man's whole career. Yeah, is like overblown, pain-induced. Yeah, for waste. that tattoo, that tattoo was to that tattoo artist. Right. What paycheck was to Ben Affleck? Oh God, I keep trying to forget paycheck happened. You always bring it back up. Wine yeah, it's the, the di- most aptly titled movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, wind the dial back as well, my dear listener, to um, the season finale of last season, Whoa. where we reviewed the only other film to be written and starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Oh, this is not going to go well for me. And that film was Goodwill yeah, Hunting. Yeah, that was when Dan Lyons gave Goodwill Hunting a, a five. 5 out of 10. A 5 out of 10. Back and in an era where I didn't have all of our other scores in front of us. Dan <laughs> gave it an 8.1, which many people would agree with. He is not a man of hot takes. He's Dan very... rated Haunting of Bly Manor ahead of Goodwill Hunting. Dan is very political these days, and he doesn't want to offend anyone, so he wants to make sure that... No, there are plenty of people I'm still willing to offend. Goodwill Hunting gets an eight. It's just more of, like, the cast of The Sopranos, less so the cast of... <laughs> we get it, Dan. We you hate Italian people. <laughs> I don't hate Italian people. I hate New Jersey Italian people. <laughs> and South Philly. Yeah, they're the same Italian person. <laughs> okay, well, that diameter just spread really fast. No, it's not a dyna- diameter. It's more like two data points. Okay. Okay, well, well, Dan tries like to... South Jersey Italian people are fine. While Dan tries to geographically quantify his racism, I will just be honest and just be like, whatever, man, I'll say whatever I want. Listen. Maybe lose podcast, baby. Listen, grow up in Central Jersey. <laughs> y'all, would wa- y'all would sit here in the main line watching Jersey Shore and be like, look at those clowns. Right. <laughs> I went to school with those clowns. They I, were everywhere. I know, I know. It's wild. It's very a lot of very early childhood trauma on you. I understand. I know, dude. The way they all they all invited me to their house for their birthday parties and fed me delicious food. <laughs> um, <laughs> a single tear goes down. My I really thought my teleplay was going to be the moment at which this episode went off the rails. I think that set the stage, though. You know what I mean? I know you, dude. I I showed up here, so just like sleepy. Dan is always doing this, guys. He's always like. I showed up like not expecting to da da da. Like, have you listened to this podcast before? What I mean, did you think we were gonna do? Well, so here's the, well, you you alluded to that you had done something for the cold open that you were already having cold feet about. Yes. So yesterday, I immediately put myself in the mindset of like, I need to enter this from an even keeled place because this might this might be upsetting. <laughs> right, and it was, and it was for sure. Um, but <laughs> what I, in my distraction with that, like. My whole thought, like normally when I'm leading, like my prep, my process leading up to the podcast is to really go back through my notes, think about the movie I had just seen, really like make sure I'm confident about my score and digest what I had seen. This time, normally when I have fewer, in this case, two sentences and a number from one to ten. Normally, (laughs) normally when I have fewer notes, that's better because it means I was actually paying attention to the movie instead of just writing novel length jokes the entire time. I pause very often to, yeah, do, see. to do these things and i didn't devise the teleplay whilst watching this movie i, I know i know <laughs> i wasn't like hold on pause i need to go record dialogue from the force awakens yeah. that happened at 10 p.m last i'm night. just saying rather than digest this movie over the last like 12 hours what i did was digest trying to figure out what you were going to present me with in the beginning of this episode so as we started the episode and i opened my notes to reveal the phrase bleached affleck and i remember that that's what i get to talk about for the next hour i'm like oh yeah Uh-oh. i'm I, like you know the adrenaline starts pumping and i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> um 
So, um, the last duel. Um, <laughs> this is the uh, uh, the only other movie to be made, uh, written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. But I do want to add one of my favorite factotums from this entire film's production, which is that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did write the screenplay to this movie, but they, quote, had to bring in a woman to get the female perspective. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Matt talked about this at length And uh, on WTF. The female perspective they did get. Um, yeah. In fact, that's maybe the crux of the entire movie in some ways. Um, so I don't know what this would have been like without a third writer. I wish it would have been. I wish I could have seen this movie just the two of them against each you other. You can picture it. Just stop before the part where, right. you know, it's set up as Matt Damon's perspective, then fucking uh, Kylo Ren's perspective, right? And then you're just seeing the same scenes over and over again from different perspectives. Classic plot device. The yeah. third one like, is from the woman's perspective. Yeah. You want to know what it would have been without that woman writer? <laughs> <laughs> just chop that third act off. Yeah, it would have been just two different ripping stories about yeah. sexual assault. It would have been two stories about how these conflicted men treated their woman horribly, but how they're still <laughs> sympathetic characters. Okay, so <laughs> let's get into the movie. Again, um, we have uh, De Carouge is Matt Damon. Um, Legree is Adam Driver's character. Um, we kick off with what I would call the biggest baiting humanly possible for me as a viewer, and that's um, the 20th Century Fox logo, which <laughs> which absolutely destroys me. Like that comes up, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, here we go, let's go. I'm like, you know what it is? Like that stupid meme of whatever soccer game it was, where people were watching in the bar and they all start freaking yeah. out um, when the goal gets made. Like that's that's me when I see the 20th Century Fox logo. Just realizing <laughs> explaining a meme over audio medium is not something I should do as a joke. Make it the cover of the episode. Um, Scott Free Productions being the next thing um, after the 20th Century Fox logo, which is a personal cooming um, standpoint for me. Anytime that's before something, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And then the font uh, <laughs> that comes up after that, which is the actual movie font, is the Prometheus font. Oh. So I was like, okay, I'm getting like triple baited into personal into loving uh, this movie. And for a movie that did all three of those things, um, I still really struggled <laughs> with this movie. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I, I, let's kick off with like the most, um, I would say the meatiest part of the movie, which is like the first 45 minutes that make up what would be um, De Carouge's, Matt Damon's point of view on the situation um, that ended up happening. Um, so again, like Dan mentioned, like it's basically like some kind of sitcom contrivance where you get to see three perspectives on an alleged rape. One of them is from the husband, Matt Damon, of the woman who is raped. One of them is from Kylo Ren's point of view, who is the raper. And then accused. Um, then Marguerite's point of view, who is the rapee. Um, not sure if that's a phrase now, but it yeah. is today. And we have we have to we have it's like a memento situation where we're putting together more and more perspective and information to draw our own conclusions. Well, that's giving it a lot of credit. Anyway, uh, my wife, Rachel, clocks out at nine minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> she did not get to experience this one. Did you watch this with Kat or no? By yourself, right? Um, yeah, no, I watched it by myself. She like took a break and came and was there for like a random 30 minutes of it in which I explained the plot to her thus far. And she was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's how that would have gone. Okay. And then she left and that was it. Rachel turned to me and said, is this quote? Quote, verbatim quote. Okay. 
is this supposed to be so serious? Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Now, keep in mind, dear listener, I'm not trying to rip on my wife here. The rape doesn't happen until an hour into this movie. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it's really just a uh, kind of a very slow burn setup of a land dispute right. between right, right. Matt Damon, um, Kylo Ren, and Ben Affleck. Which, ben I find, Affleck. which I find very compelling because of what the latter two thirds are about. Like, right. I feel like there's... It, it, I found it very... Po- potent uh-huh. that really when, I, when like when i was thinking back on the movie like how did this all start i'm like it was a fucking it was matt damon married this woman to get some land and then didn't and he was big mad about it and it's a very it's a very poignant concise way to illustrate what the era was <sighs> yes but my issue no, you're supposed to say yes and yes but <laughs> my issue with this movie is also it's it's a positive and it's negative. It's it's a it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> sword. Um, half of it is that it does well represent what disputes back in the 1300s probably consisted of. In many times in this movie, they're like basically saying that um, Marguerite is um, Matt Damon's property. Yeah. So her sexual assault is an affront to a, la- a landowner essentially. Right. Now. Okay, that's great. Uh, like, I understand that, like, sure, this probably happened. Yes, this was based on quote-unquote yeah, true no, events. this for sure happened all the time. But I did feel like this movie was often operating as a husk to insert modern problems and stances into a medieval story mm. so that they would be, f- like, critically acceptable so that critics could be like... This is a very interesting introspection on how, you know, like um, a woman's like agency can be taken from her and like how back then it was bad and blah, blah, blah. To me, it just felt like let's shoehorn some really modern ideas into a really ancient framework. And I think in doing you you didn't take it as Ridley Scott being like women complain. And now you think you got it bad now. Look at how it was in the 1300s. (laughs) This is the progressive member of the movie blues podcast. Um, I don't know. Ridley Scott's a crotchety old man. There's a world. He could have been inserting that messaging. I feel like you're projecting, but yeah, maybe (laughs) for the record. I don't agree with that. (laughs) For the record, that's Dan Enden. Um, I also don't agree with your take though. I don't think, I, I don't think they needed to put effort into inserting some sort of modern lens on it. I think if, if anything, if it's right there, it's just there to be like, Hey, look, like, you know, this is how it was. So, like, yeah, we've gotten this far. So, mm. like, yeah, the reason you're feeling morally weird about it is because of the times we're in. But, like... No. Uh, and I'll give you an example that really uh, signifies exactly my problem with this movie. Okay. Which is that you see Matt Damon's perspective. You see Kylo Ren's perspective. And we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it doesn't matter, whatever. Um, and then when you see Marguerite's perspective, it says, uh, The truth according to Marguerite. And then for the only time of the three stories, all of the words fall away on the screen and the only word left over black is truth. Right. Now, that is immediately saying that the woman is correct. That's immediately confirming that the first two stories you saw are incorrect because they do not get the same treatment. Furthermore, well, in researching on, hold on, this hold film... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because but her version and Matt Damon's version... Are not like really conflicting. Yes, they are. Not they super. have completely different 
uh, retellings and moments and reactions. And there are dude, moments where Matt that, Damon comes across better not. in his discussions, but like the majority of the difference is like the shit that was happening, like concurrently. Like Matt Damon was off battling while she, like her story is showing what was going on there. Like it's. Dude, I don't think they were. I don't so think they're different. like diametrically opposed. It's just, it just showing that Matt okay, Damon's Dan. perspective was like cold and removed. They're literally diametrically opposed. The first one is about how Matt Damon does everything for her, and then she gets raped and it assaults his honor. The second story is how he makes her life a living hell in everything that he does. They reshoot scenes with the two of them that overlap, where his delivery is different. Her reaction is different to show that he is abusive to her, emotionally neglectful, deeply cold to her. That is not how he's portrayed in in the first story whatsoever. He's portrayed as a man of honor. This is a man looking inward saying, this is how great of a man I am. The second story of her telling of their relationship is a literal tale of abuse. She's abused emotionally and mentally by Matt Damon in every way possible. And then it's physically abused and raped by Kylo Ren. So like they are diametrically opposed. You have one ca- One is literally like our relationship was great. A terrible thing happened to her. I deserve honor. The other is literally, See, I didn't even my read. husband was terrible to me. I had to look elsewhere. When I did, I was basically punished for it. I lived a life of, of seclusion and pain and, and was treated terribly by him. I didn't even read the first story as like uh, our lives were great together situation. I saw it, it as wasn't like our lives are great together, but it was a successful marriage. It, it was what it needed to be at the time in the 1300s. It wasn't negative in yeah. any way. You didn't watch it and okay. go, wow, what a terrible no, life she was I, living. I'm just saying it was like her story is building information onto that. It's Regardless. not, it's, it's not like where it's like Kylo Ren's story where it's like, God, she was loving it. And then like it shows her, yeah, like it's not the same, the same erasure of the previous act. It's not an erasure. It was just showing the fucking like the density of Matt Damon's character. Yeah, no, again, they refilmed whole sections of the movie to be the opposite of of the way that they were interpreted. But anyway, to try to to finish my point that started this, though, (sighs) um, they show you that it just says the word truth. Yep. So they literally confirm that she is correct. Yeah. And then on top of that, that is not historically accurate. So they what, decided. What, what do you mean? Like, there's no version of this story in doing research about this film and the story it's based on in which Marguerite is confirmed to have the correct and true telling of this situation. Okay. There is no telling of this situation, Dan. They are framing. That's why I said a medieval me tooing. Because they're literally using this, like, regurgitated, like, oh, the men are always wrong. And, and and they literally give you two different male perspectives that are both equally as wrong. In which both of them, by the way, all three versions of this story, she's raped. Even in Kylo Ren's story, where you said she's loving it. She's not loving it. She protests and yeah. says, stop, stop, stop. I mean, it's not as violent as right. as in Marguerite's telling, but she's absolutely raped. Yeah, no, 100%. It, it, it's... You're not giving anyone a fair shot in this movie except for Marguerite. And that is a very modern Hollywood woke telling of a story like this. And I didn't appreciate that. And it felt when it's when the screen went black and it just said truth under her story, I groaned and was just like, okay, don't let me make up my mind. Show me two fucking full hours of investigative journalism about three separate stories. But tell me right up front that the woman's right. Like, I don't get to make my own decision in that at all. And and to rob 
my agency of being able to make that decision didn't make it a morally gray introspection about a sexual assault. It wasn't that at all. It was literally men are liars, men are pigs, Kylo Ren is a pig, and Matt Damon is a pig for totally different reasons. Arguably, Matt Damon makes her life more miserable than Kylo Ren with one sexual assault ever truly did because when she even got to that point, she was in a level of complete misery with him, couldn't conceive and was made to feel as if she was not able to fulfill her duty again and again and again and embarrassed by his mother again and again and again. And like her story, it was very sympathetic and I enjoyed it. I was like, this is an interesting story of what it must've been like to be a woman back then. It was probably the worst thing in the fucking world. But as a parable to get me to understand perspective, it's literally just a me too story. It's just like, the men have their stories that they create because they're powerful. They get to make up the truth. They get to do whatever they want in the name of power, land, glory, and money. And when something happens to a woman, nobody believes it. And it was just, it was just the cycle of a me tooing, just like to a nauseating degree. I just like was like, why, why did I need this movie to be a set in the 1300s? Like I get, I get that those things were happening, but like it just as a movie, I struggle to see why this needed to exist. It just I'm felt. Finding, I'm finding I'm finding it very, not necessarily telling, but very sus how strongly negatively you're feeling based on all of these reasons about this movie, with how positive you felt about Don't Look Up. What? It was literally a comedy. I watched it for a fun time. It was two and a half this hours a of the hour exact same panel. thing of telling us all about modern culture and just shoving modern morality down our throats like yeah you want to talk about dude, that was a self-aware comedy that was a present-day self-aware comedy this is something that you were supposed to take deathly seriously that is not and you took that deathly seriously that's the bad take this is this is a movie that demands respect it demands you to not laugh at it. It demands you to be fully on board with the female perspective being the only true one. And I don't think that you should make a movie in which you're shown three versions of the truth and the reveal of that is left to a title card. That's bullshit to begin with. That's bad screenwriting to begin with. Not that I would expect more from Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, but to spend 10 I mean, years I would devising I would this imagine movie. that's not how the screenplay was written. I would imagine that was like a studio decision. There's no studio decision. It was written by three people. You think Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are going to let the studio under a Ridley Scott movie change their script? That doesn't I, even make sense. It's not necessarily changing the script. I bet it was like, here's three things. The truth according to, the truth according to, the truth according to. And yeah. that's what it said on the page. And, and then super... in post, they were like, we got to make sure that we're not implying that these are all equal perspectives. But why not? It's, shouldn't, that how, shouldn't that be how a courtroom movie I'm works? Say, I'm not saying that's not a flaw in the movie. I'm it just is. saying that doesn't, like, I, I know, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm just saying that that doesn't undermine the entire movie to me. It doesn't under, I mean, I still enjoyed watching this. Like, I just was, I cringed at it. It was cringy. I have seen so many movies that nail that contrivance better of the truth, you know, when three different... I mean, usually they use these for, like, military court dramas. Like, yeah. if you see Rules of Engagement, that's one of the best versions of this ever with yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, where they really go very far to tell you different versions of the truth, and in deeply scrutinizing over them, you can come to the conclusion that you need to come to. This movie made that conclusion for you, and it's the same conclusion that's being made in the media every two weeks now, and I am full on that. If a person needs to be canceled, I'm not the guy who's like, don't cancel this person. I'm the first person to be like, I am never going to listen to Michael Jackson again. And that was never even proven in court. And I'll never listen to Michael Jackson again. Like, 
I and, and this isn't like a that's my black shout friend out moment. to all those fucking jam bands still covering fucking Billie Jean every night. Yeah, don't do that. Stop. Guys. Stop. Get over it. Just take it off the radio. It's, it's on every radio station yeah. still. Um, and again, I grew up being the biggest Michael Jackson fan you every could wedding. ever fucking imagine, dude. Um, it was literally my favorite artist of all time <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, you don't get the fuck kids. That's so, the rules. Uh, cool. I'm cool with that. But this is a fictional movie, yeah. and I'm not gonna drag like. Um, like woke sensitivities that I'm supposed to abide by into a movie that's just written badly and not made very well. And I had other problems with the movie beyond that. I mean, A, I think it's embarrassing to be shooting a movie like this on digital. I, I cannot fathom why Ridley Scott and Scott Free Productions can't get a fucking roll of film in 2022. It's the only way they could get funding. Because not only was this movie like chocked its fucking brains out with uber modern ideas but it looked like it was shot like for like showtime not even hbo it looked like it was shot for show like there are better shows on hbo right now that take place in 2022 euphoria that make this movie look <laughs> fucking terrible um so i didn't appreciate that and um the only thing that really drew me in with this movie was one of the best fucking action scenes I've ever seen in my life, which is the conclusion of this movie. Yeah. The, the last duel itself was absolutely riveting. I love the lead up in this movie before the plot contrivance started and before um, ideas were being forcibly shoved down my throat. And um, it just failed for me on a conceptual level. I think it was written really ham-fistedly. This contrivance that they used of the truth not only did they ruin it for themselves and for me, but they also, like, it was shocking because, like, dude, the whole movie at, at the beginning is, did he rape her or not? And then the first two stories you get, he raped her. And it's so bizarre, like, from a writing perspective, watching that go down, because really the question at hand is, like, maybe she made it up because people all over the place in, in the court and beyond in and Pierre and, and Bleached Affleck are all like, mm, did it even take place, blah, blah, blah. So in my mind, when Kylo Ren's story happened, I was like, oh, watch how far he's going to lie about this. Right. He's going to say they had a torrid love affair and it never even happened and blah, blah, blah. Nah, it was just kind of still a rape. So I just want to say that the way I saw it was like, yes, initially we're presented as like, was this a rape or was this not a rape? And then as the plot contrivances go on, we're presented with Three new, stories of rape. new questions, which are, okay, well, was it not a rape, but it was consensual, which is still an affair and an affront to her husband. So then there's like a B-level issue to tackle and figure out. And the, the Kylo Ren story, while ultimately still ending in a rape, has a whole bunch of suspense leading up to like trying to get you, trying to ship that like they're about to have like a torrid love affair. Mm -hmm. Then were presented with but then that doesn't happen even which like if he was really lying about the situation he would have been like yeah we were in love or something like that yeah he right. doesn't even do that he's kind of like i kind of got horny on her she yeah right sort right. of reciprocated yeah, right. and then i straight up raped her so, so then i saw it as like all right clear from by that point i was like all right he raped her so like that that question's answered then i'm i'm more focused on the <laughs> idea that they introduced that like well we as a society believe in God so much that, like, if Matt Damon and Kylo Ren were to duel right. and she's lying, sure, surely God would allow the correct person's honor to die. I did find that and interesting. If she and if yeah. she's lying, meaning if Matt Damon loses the duel, which, like, God's not going to intervene. It's just a duel. If yeah. Matt Damon loses, she's going to be fucking burned alive. 
And Matt Damon hid that information from her as he convinced her to confess. Like, that's what the movie became right. about to me is, like, the absurdity of that time period where, yes, on a micro level, all of these terrible, terrible approaches towards gender dynamics or whatever are going on. But, like, at a macro level, still, this is a society op operating at a level in which they're, like postulating these like big grandiose courts and right. like courts like let's go to the king and he's gonna make these valiant decisions when like it comes down to like well god wouldn't let the rapist harlot live so let's have them duel right and well, I, I found that very compelling i did too but uh in what i found about a compelling might be telling about what kind of person i am Bef i'll just say that up front because you're gonna say it about me if, if i don't <laughs> because um like i have in my notes a quote that someone said, one of us lied, let God decide. And then I wrote like, now that we live in a world of civilized justice, quote unquote, like it's clear that a duel isn't so barbaric after all, like truth in a court setting no longer exists. Right. I'm, I'm gonna say that yeah, in, yeah. in 2022, anytime you watch a court case, it is one person telling 100% truth, one person telling 100% a different story and no person no 12 people should be asked to decide what the truth is when both stories being told are that diametrically opposed. Right. Um, so the idea, take God out of it because neither, clearly neither of us believes in God, but take take the idea that if you have a problem with somebody at this level, yeah. you should kind of be able to just kill each other because ultimately you'll just hire lawyers that are gonna lie. Right. And like, who? if you really cared about justice, you'd reformat the court system to begin with. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, you know, go further into it. It's just like, clearly the truth is not willing out in civil, in the civilized world. Right. So watching two dudes fucking smash their dicks together with long poles is fucking sweet. Because like, that kind of is how certain cases, now I'm not saying like, there's a billion exceptions, but like when one person outright accuses somebody of something else, not rape, because that's obviously its own entire category of justice, but like, when there's a land dispute about like a hundred million dollars, like if you two fucking guys care so much about this, fucking fight about it. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Like that would be kind of chill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't tie up our tax dollars with fucking mediators and prosecutors and judges to sit there and watch you guys jerk yourselves off over your civil suits. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I, I agree with Dan. We should exterminate all the landowners. Yes. That too. Because you can see like the, that this is the root. Oh yeah. Of of what kind of terrible society we live in now. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, 100%. So it, I found that interesting. Yeah. I mean, these things weren't lost on me. Um I do I do have quite a bit of notes about this one. You said you took two notes? Yep. Okay, so I I will have to share some of these I, with yeah, you. Yeah, I don't I don't need notes, baby. Um, I moved I'm moving up a level. I'm a professional now. I don't need notes. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need notes. All right, you take it away then. No, it's all you, bud. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, uh, so I, ha I had a lot of observations during this movie, um, uh, as one does when they work for a podcast professionally. Um, only in the movies do Americans do bad English accents to pre pretend like they're French. Yeah. Yeah. That's always such a fucking weird thing. Like any European just gets a British accent. Dude, the mileage that this movie could have gotten in my heart. If Ben Affleck's Pierre... <laughs> had a French accent, dude, and he was being, like, flippant about it. Yeah. 
a, a thousand like super flamboyant yeah like a thousand roses to this movie would I send um, <laughs> and, and the fact that they just do that kind of phoning it in where it's like everyone's vaguely British yeah. is just like you're French though like not right. we're not gonna have a single French character that's Ridley Scott too he's like I refuse to have a fucking Frenchman in my goddamn yeah. movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love the violence in the war scenes um, in this movie yeah. they were brief yeah. but they were classic Ridley Scott where there is just fucking blood I know. being hosed. I kept thinking about how expensive those scenes were while only being shown for like 10 right. seconds at a time. I'm like, that's a big dick Ridley Scott move. It was interesting because like <laughs> the, the movie is so hyper-focused on this like pedestrian stupid nonsense that all the big movements of like interest that kept happening would be, what was the recent movie we watched where that was the case? This feels very familiar where there was like one minute of, oh, okay, The Green Knight. This wasn't for the podcast, but The Green Knight was this movie that came out um, recently, the A24 medieval movie. And it was being advertised like a medieval war movie. And then it was two hours and 45 minutes of a dude like wandering around the woods and like pre-coming himself. And it was <laughs> so fucking weird and off-putting and and heartless and just like soulless and boring. And then in the last 10 minutes of the movie, you see... The most raucous war scene. The main character, <laughs> the main character, just walks through it, and it is like mayhem. And, and this scene was eight seconds long, and then it just goes back to just like sl the sleepiest plot you could ever imagine. <laughs> it reminded me of this, where I was like, "Man, they keep teasing me with this huge epic scope," and then it really comes down to like what happened in, in a bedroom, which okay, that's the intrigue, yeah. but like also it. But it's, it's like just showing felt, like why Matt Damon feels so firmly justified and in the right for everything because it's like this is what he deals with yeah in his free his time day job. He, this is basically the equivalent <laughs> of him coming home and loosening his tie exactly. and be like i spent all day at the factory and i have to hear this bullshit 100 percent. but except it's him just like stabbing people in their eyeballs and also showing that him and kylo ren were boys back in the day right and then they let land come between them you know yeah as and it basically it's almost like uh kylo ren he's salty at kylo ren for becoming ben affleck's bitch boy it's a real like uh like he's like kylo ren's like leo dicaprio in gangs of new york in this movie well kylo ren is mad at affleck for having one very small piece of land um, after he's been given a fucking map's worth of land, it's kind of like when the Palestinians look at Israel, just like, let it go, guys. It's not fucking worth it. Yeah, you know, Dan? Yeah. Don't, don't you agree with that? Uh, mm. <laughs> I wasn't listening, so I don't know who you said was who in that. <laughs> so. Now you must choose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's just basically like, if you are if you own a tremendous amount of land and you're crying about like a dot on a map, like, let it go, you know? Yeah, but back then, that land was the difference between like, you dying of fucking like having a like dysentery not, like not even like getting an <laughs> infection on your finger like while like toiling soil or like getting to eat a turkey leg um when matt damon gets married um like in the process and in this like the ceremony like lead up to getting married um a little squire boy with like a keepaw haircut kisses him on the mouth and yeah I was, I was like whoa and that's a real thing they used to do yeah a lot of things in this movie were real things that they used to do, and and it really was just like amazing. Like like gone are the days where at a party you could rip your shirt off and capture a wench, and all of your <laughs> boys would just openly applaud. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, like get her. Yeah. Gone are the days where in the midst of your wedding ceremony you can yell at someone's father that the only reason you were marrying your daughter was for that strip for a strip of land. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days where just because your friend's wife can read, you can lay claim to her. Oh yeah, that was so fucking wild. <laughs> um, this is an entire movie where Matt Damon... It's literally Kylo Ren, like, repeatedly being like, you shouldn't be... Like, Matt Damon is a literal war hero. Yeah. And, it's Ky- right. <laughs> and Kylo Ren, like, sli- is his boy and slips in on the reg while she's, like, shopping at the market to be like... You know, you should really be with someone who can read. Kylo Ren's entire motivation for falling in love with and then subsequently raping Marguerite is that he heard she read a book. Yeah, right. And he was like, why Like, why <sighs> would she not also want to be with someone else who could read? This movie is fucking... It's wild. Stupid. <laughs> um, quote, He's a nobleman. Quote. I want to make that clear that I'm not saying this. Who is it? Quote from this film during um, the courtroom scene where they are discerning who is telling the truth, even though the first two versions of the truth told both admitted rape. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, look. But, if, their, but their whole, no, their, Dan, their whole you, thing listen, hinges. Listen, now you listen, bitch. If you think about it, like, <laughs> it's a courtroom movie. And in a courtroom movie, you have version one of the truth, version two of the truth. And especially with the two people that are accusing each other. For it both to be a rape, like it's a rape case. But their standards it's not a land for what case. counts as rape m- was much different because their whole thing was if she felt like, pleasure, then it's not a rape. But why would Kylo Ren or the they're, writers of this movie? Just, they're grilling her, like, did you feel any pleasure? Why would the writers of this movie not make Kylo Ren lie more about it? He literally is like, yeah, I did it. And it was like, fine. Yeah, because based <laughs> on those standards, that was like, uh, like that's fine. You win. He could have just said no. Like, the by very nature of, like, in his He's story. Like, well, we still burst into her castle. I still brought her upstairs against her will and threw her on her mantle throne. She doth protested one time, and then I stuck it in. Yeah. It's like, dude, you could have just but been like. But in his story, she's, like, smiling and moaning a little bit, and that's enough for the courts then. Bef- no, that's, she's smiling and moaning before the assault. When the assault begins, she's screaming no. I watched it many times. No, I'm kidding. I watched it one time. but in, She's in, screaming no in her version. In his version, she's like, no. No, it was still screaming no. It was screaming no more than 90% of like somewhat like um, argued rape cases in a 2022 case would be. I mean, it was, it was literally like, she was like, ah! no. And then it was a rape. Whereas in the other one, she did that for like two minutes. Mm. <laughs> And wow, like, what a difference of, of telling, of perspective that is. Yeah, but it's a difference then because, like, they were of the view where, like, if she had invited him in any way or even implied that, right. like, she wanted it, then, like, she's in the fault there. Because that's what Matt Damon is all like, did you invite him into your chamber? And in both Matt Damon and Kylo Ren's telling, she did not invite him in. And he forced his way in, in both. Yes, but in, Dan, it's, it's, in his telling, it's, just it's not it's good. Like, it's done, it's like playful. She's it's, like, oh, no, you tricked me. It's, <laughs> it's sloppily done. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> it was really dumb. And the other thing is like, if you're presenting this, like the three stories that were told in court, they're all like filling in different parts of their history that would never be brought up in a medieval court case. It was like four and a half years ago, I was having a conversation with her, with his mother. Like that didn't come up in court, but we're being shown that and told their perspective. It's just like, all right. So for example, right? Like when you're being shown in a normal, like in rules of engagement, when they do this, you're being told a perspective directly from someone in court about what happened in a specific event. That's not what this movie is. This movie is, you see years of a person's life as according to their perspective, then years of a person's life 
according to a different person's perspective. That is not how that court case went in the actual movie. If you were to watch it somehow magically with what they said out loud, it wouldn't begin four years ago with a, uh, a dispute between the mother or, or, oh yeah, remember the day that Matt Damon stopped the one horse from raping the other horse? That wouldn't be in the court case, but it's in the movie and it's yeah, told by unreliable weird. narrators. So why are you showing me a story that's being told by an unreliable narrator in the frame of a court? It just didn't, it's just bad writing. Like there's, I'm not saying this movie's like bad for being like about a woman's perspective. It just was so fucking obvious. And then on top of that, it was written again, as I said many times in the Goodwill Hunting episode, by people whose minds are juvenile, like permanently. Apparently 30 years later, they're still willing to do the sappiest most current dumbest thing they could possibly do to try. I, this feels like, if anything, the the comparison with Goodwill Hunting is this just feels like Oscar baiting, where they're like, oh, they gotta give us props because this is gonna be like about you know the Me Too era and like just how genius we're using Ridley Scott, who's won Oscars for Gladiator and actually good epics that have been made in time. I mean, even Kingdom of Heaven was better than this movie. Um, and that's not even a good movie by any standard. Maybe the director's cut. Somebody would argue that. But um, anyway, quote from the court case. A rape cannot cause pregnancy. It's just science. <laughs> that shit was interesting. Yeah. Um, the fact that people had such crazy opinions about it. If anything, I would have liked this movie to be just a court case with some light retellings. Instead, it was like 45 minute retellings leading up to a court case that we never saw, which then piggybacked straight into the duel, which was ruined in the first scene of the movie. I absolutely hate when certain movies do this. It's like, yeah, it showed that it's like, oh, don't, clip. don't be bored with this movie. Yeah. So we're going to show you the duel. It's, yeah. It was just like, dude, it was, it was amateur hour and it was Ridley Scott on autopilot. And so many people accuse him of that about movies that I think are really good. This one I felt like, wow, dude, you really just phoned this one in big time. Like there's nothing new here or interesting for me to latch onto. It's literally like, let's all together get together and try to make an Oscar. Or else like, you, why, why else would you make this movie? <laughs> what does Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have to say about medieval rape? It's just <laughs> fucking, it's fucking ludicrous. Like, and I get that Ridley Scott has done many, many medieval properties and, and that medieval time and and politics and uh, settings and especially religion are huge things for him. But those things I felt like were in the background of the story. I felt like the foreground of the story was just like the Me Too era <laughs> and just wasn't um, something that I enjoyed. <laughs> and um, I had watched it with subtitles on, which led to some fun stuff, too. Um after the rape, for example, it's it said on the screen, sorrowful music continues. <laughs> so, like, that was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, there were some lines that I found to be really fucking amazing in this movie, but, like, I can't tell if it was uh, me ironically liking it or not, but Kylo Ren, and this, again, is a, a, a comment on what people were like back then, sure, but, like, when they first, when Pierre first accuses Kylo Ren of rape... <laughs> And he gets really, really mad about it. He goes, I've stated this publicly that it did not happen. Yeah. And as if that that absolves him. Right. He's like, but I said that I didn't do this in public. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, how is that not enough? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so good. And I needed more stuff like that. Uh, and less of like. Well, get ready. Pandering. For, for the last dual director's cut. 
Oh my god, dude, that would be sick. I would be into that. Um, <laughs> um, also, like the sh- she was asking for it, or she was she was wearing such and such kind of clothes. Yeah, stuff. Translation in this movie was she was coveting me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like the she was asking for it of the Middle Ages. Yeah. And the only other time I really enjoyed this movie is when Ben Affleck got super drunk and mad about his finances and screamed, recalculate, at Kylo Ren <laughs> as he threw a Chinese calculator at him. <laughs> that was, like, fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, but then, ben like, Affleck in this, ca- in this movie was a revelation to me. Was he? He was so... He missed... He missed a lot of opportunities. I'll say it that way. But his look was great. And I'll be honest, it was great to finally see him not play just a complete village idiot. Yeah. Even though he kind of was. He was just playing like a fucking, uh, what's what's that French word I'm looking for? Jew. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Was that what you were looking for? (laughs) Because he kind of was like the Jew of the movie. Yeah, he's just... He's He's the rich, spoiled guy who never had to get his hands dirty. Yeah, he's just chilling. He's just a French fucking pansy <laughs> just throwing temper tantrums um and being serious and the king is like 12 and that's funny yeah that was that was funny um mm. <laughs> it's like a 12 year old kid it's like this pleases me the other thing i couldn't really get on board with was how many like cape tricks kylo ren was doing <laughs> like kylo ren would make a point and flip his cape like a 360 flip of his cape and it was heavy i mean yeah. all, all the capes he wore in this movie were heavy enormous capes, and they'd be like <laughs> and like there, there was one that i can't remember exactly where it was it was so funny it was like oh it was at the end of his um telling of his truth in front of the court yeah they were like okay kylo ren I know you just kind of told us another story about rape, but y- you can go now. And he was like, mm, thank you. And it was like, like all the way around, like all the candles like yeah, flittered. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, dude, what? Yeah. he really is leaning into the cape. Um, final observation um, of this movie. This, this movie is just an entire movie where Matt Damon is playing William H. Macy from Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ancient cuck lordery. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was an ancient cucking. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm Matt good. Damon's hair in this movie is Matt, killer. Dude, dude, I it's read, John Travolta from The Fanatic esque. And then in the tra- uh, yeah, dude, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, that I could, I'm trying to put my finger on it. You really just nailed it there. It truly was. <laughs> just Google John Travolta The Fanatic, and that is exactly what Matt Damon looked like in this movie. And I also read in the trivia section that he was unable to grow facial hair. And it kept coming in weird. <laughs> so they tried 25 different beards for Matt Damon. <laughs> Since that was worth doing research on. Um, all right, Dan, would you like to offer a score between 1 and 10 to properly rate this film um, for all of Movie Blues history and our listenership at large, which has loved this episode? I'm, uh, I'm going to give The Last Duel a 7.2. 7.2 for the last duel. Let me let me dial this into the board. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Uh found uh found it a nice historical document. Didn't feel quite so triggered by the modern commentary as some people have. <laughs> I don't know who you're just kinda to. going with the flow on this one. <laughs> Dan ending, going with the flow. Yeah, much like Ben Affleck in this movie, just kind of, yeah. you just kind of relaxed. You have aged into a a bleached Affleck yourself, <laughs> yeah. my man. You're just like, dude, very cool. Yeah, it was days. like nice to look at. Um, Adam Driver is still 
such a weird actor to me. <laughs> Yeah. He's a strange guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Know. His choices, like the cape thing. Yeah, his choices I can't are... ever buy him in anything. I never bought Kylo Ren as being a remotely threatening no, villain. Not even one time. Not one time was I feeling menace from him. He just no. always just seems like a fucking dork. And I they're mean, constantly casting him because he's ripped. They're I'm not... casting him as like, <laughs> as like being like this fucking like badass, and he's just a dweeb. Well, he's a marine <laughs> in real life. Is that true? Yeah. Oh my god. And like he was like huge in the armed forces and never acted, never did anything like this, and then was like plucked out of obscurity for girls, um, and wanted to become an actor. And literally, like that was where he started acting, like in his late twenties, I, I would guess. And he doesn't look like former military. Right. I mean, he doesn't act like former military in any movie he's ever been in. Yeah, he um, just acts poorly. But he, uh, he, yeah, his choices are like, I can't even tell if he's kidding sometimes. So this this movie was loaded with him. With I kept thinking <laughs> to myself, man, Adam Driver was probably saying these lines into the mirror a half an hour before this being like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> literally, what the fuck am I doing in this movie? Yeah, this was literally him being like, all right, I was Kylo Ren, which was kind of a goofy villain. This one, they'll really take me seriously as like a scary boy. I kind of felt bad for him in this movie. Uh, not me. Because, like, <laughs> if he hadn't have done the rape, <laughs> he would have been a good guy. I mean, that's the other thing about this movie. Like, at no point did they portray Kylo Ren as, he's still as, as a, a philanderer. He still abandoned his friendship with Matt Damon <sighs> like, to te- be Ben Affleck's little bitch boy. Technically, but also they portray Matt Damon as a real wet noodle in this movie, man. <laughs> Why would you want to be friends with him? He's terrible. In all three tellings of the story, Matt Damon sucks. I mean, he's great at killing people. I know. And it's just like he's trying to adjust to the real world and everyone's playing him for a fool because he is one. Yeah. I did appreciate a movie where they make Matt Damon look like an idiot again. Yeah, I always appreciate when they emphasize that like people from the military can't really readjust to society. I think the only part of this movie I actually enjoyed was when... Matt Damon had to kiss Ben Affleck's fingers in the first five minutes. And I was like, damn, this is so fucking meta. I love this shit. And Affleck was like, I will be Pierre so that in the first scene of this movie, you have to kiss the ring yeah. on screen yeah. with a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam, I enjoyed uh, Adam Driver getting stabbed in the mouth. That was brutal. That was pretty fucking awesome. Of all the ways that that duel could have ended, I was not expecting stabbed through the mouth. I'm going to give this movie a 6.5. That's right. about as much as I can stomach. I don't think Ridley Scott has ever made a movie that I can give like under a 6, except for a good year. Don't know why I went to the theater to see that one. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Um, great production value, terrible photography, really half-assed writing, really goofy performances really inaccurate shit across the board except for when it came to like serfdom and sexual and slash socio-political slash gender identity issues from the time which were explored lightly bad pacing bad writing i quite like the pacing. ugly to look at almost at all times i enjoyed how i enjoyed how the movie looked lit badly photographed worse should have been shot on film generally embarrassing for almost everyone involved but it's a Ridley Scott movie so I gotta gotta toe the line here 6.5 can't I, go lower than that even I enjoyed though it I'd like to better than Game of Thrones that is insane that is an <laughs> insane thing to say and I would say that anybody listening to this episode now has no stock whatsoever in Dan's review from today it's literally invalidated himself pretty badly here but if you think that the last duel 
was better than the entirety of Game of Thrones, please like and subscribe to us on <laughs> on iTunes and Spotify, uh, where all podcasts are available. Um, uh, I think I think I have a couple little pieces of trivia. Do you no. want to Do you want to hear a trivia? Okay. Do we also have uh, thoughts and prayers from the rental zone? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. God, I forget about these people. And they always come back. All right, so um, oh my God, I had so many more notes. I'm gonna talk about it. Um, uh, <laughs> the two part episode on the last door. <laughs> um, <laughs> the funny thing is, I have the teleplay like next to my notes, and I keep like looking from the other, and it's like Ms. Glop. Um, <laughs> Both Adam Driver and Jodie Comer, who we both did an injustice not talking about More like her Jody at all. Coomer. Nice, dude. You, yeah, the progressive one, Dan Henton, <laughs> played a role in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. They were both in. Uh, Comer was apparently Ray's mom. I didn't know. No. That. Um, and Kylo Ren was played by Kylo Ren. So. <laughs> Um, Matt Damon struggled to grow facial hair. We talked about that, but the makeup department had to try on 20 different beards. He got a skin rash underneath the stuck on beard, which was so irritating that he had to be treated with ice packs every scene between shooting every scene in the movie. Wow. Um, what a man's man. The film gets the title from the fact that the duel, the duel between Legree and Carouge was one of the last trials of combat in France. However, the actual last duel occurred in 1547, FYI, that is 200 years later, uh, between Guy Chabot de Jarnac and Francois de Vivon. So this was not even the last duel. Good job on that, everyone. Great. One of 2021's most notorious flops, it earned $9 million on its opening weekend against a budget in excess of $100 million. Not great. Ridley Scott took issue with this later in an interview, citing modern audiences' lack of interest in intellectual films over comic book movies. Agreed. The fact that the film was developed largely for older audiences, the type who stay away from cinemas during the height of a pandemic, was probably a mitigating factor. Um, Ridley Scott blamed cell phone addled millennials for letting the film flop. He stated, quote, what we've got today are audiences who were brought up on these fucking cell phones. <laughs> this man is 85. Yeah. Keep that in mind. The millennial who do not ever want to be taught anything unless you told it to them through a phone. I don't think he realizes the, weird take. the general internet is on phones, <laughs> but um, it's an infinite resource of yeah. you can do positive things on, but um, such as watch your movie trailer. Yeah, and... what a dumb shit. All right. <laughs> Dan, do you want to um, do the rental meter stuff now? I don't care. Sure. Okay. Um, uh... Do I have to do the math and all that? No, I don't even care about okay. that. Okay, cool. It's probably a seven. Okay. Like eight people gave it eights. Fan fantastic. A lot of eights out there. Good job. For this. A lot of eights. See, this is why I'm thankful that we spent so much time cultivating a fucking well-respected group of people with strong, positive opinions. I'm just going to let you have that one because okay. it's so good to hear. Um, James Bonell says that it's an old story no one cares about and Ridley is pretentious as fuck, blaming technology for how terrible it was. <laughs> probably will never watch it. Although I suppose was if that I... James Bennell? Yeah, Benelli? on Facebook, Benelli. but it's Benelli in real life. But I'm reading their Facebook names in case they... Okay, classic they, libertarian. They would rather want to do that. Yeah. Um, like you, coward. Got it. Um, although I suppose if my lady got her bones unwillingly jumped, there would be a showdown too. <laughs> 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 uh. 
Are you serious? Solid take. Yeah. Um, Josh Boyer. Heard of him? Friend of the big, pod. F- big fan of him. Um, as someone who is always a sucker for Ridley Scott in a period piece, I like Kingdom of Heaven. Yes, I do too, Josh. I was biased out of the gate. I believe it is actually a quality film. I think the casting is done well. Um, I truly see Matt Damon feeling righteous superiority and vanity above all else. And as much as I despise Ben Affleck, <laughs> talk about a role that fits the lazy, egotistical douche perfectly. Adam Driver does well in his role because he's a decent actor, but not really for any outstanding reason. Jodie Comer is an extremely talented actress, and I've been blown away by her performances, such as thing as Killing Eve. I- I've heard about her in Killing Eve multiple times, Josh. And I want to watch that show because I so many people tell me it's so good. Dan, you've not seen that one? Nope. And I believe she'll be one of the most spoken about and requested actresses she already is over the coming years. As far as set design and lighting, I felt it was very genuine and accurate. You weren't there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably some of the best lighting I've ever seen for a period piece in a while. Totally disagree with that. The action was immense and fantastic. Agreed. It's brutal style and direction, not only authentic, but gory and gripping. The biggest two issues are the script itself, that I fucking agree with, which was okay at best and goofy at worst. 100% with you there, Josh. Maybe because Ben Affleck just sounds like a jerk every time he speaks in general, but his writing was especially cringe-inducing. The second flaw was pacing. I like the telling of the three stories, but I think there may have been a better way to do it. Absolutely agree. Uh, Where you didn't feel like you were watching the identical scene with a few more scowls. Overall, great film, and I will buy it on Blu-ray. Weird. Creepy. What? What a long review on the for the rental zone. <laughs> James Garufi. Always enjoy Matt Damon in movies, but I wasn't impressed by his performance. Maybe not the best genre for him. <laughs> <laughs> what genre is that? I, I honestly would say that this is not the best genre genre for anyone that was in it. Affleck, Kylo Ren, and Matt Damon. I, I I mean I seeing Affleck in that role I think this Actually, is yeah, this is mind. Affleck's new wheelhouse. Take like, Affleck out of it. I want Affleck to constantly just like if they reboot Gladiator I want him to be overlooking the fucking thing just yelling at lions all the time. Movie was okay, a little too long, a little too dragged out. Hard to take Affleck seriously in his role. Well, I struggle to take him seriously ever. Although I did for once. Affleck think he was is good. a blonde libertine. That's 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 his sweet spot. <laughs> that's his that's his new thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Andre age, age Grace okay <laughs> Andre and I, I, this this opinion I'm I couldn't agree more with honestly it, it also highlights what I think is special about this movie or unique about this movie but frequently incompetent <laughs> <laughs> does very little with its main conceit but also extremely funny and sleazy to the point of being viscerally repellent a hundred and i i actually messaged with andre about this like i felt like this is one of the sleaziest movies i've seen in years it felt like paul verhoven rejected a script someone found it in a trash can and put matt damon and ben affleck's name on it um can't think of a more aggressively unpleasant big budget movie in the past couple of years <laughs> Yeah, but that's what isn't that what he's always saying? We need more of. We need big budget things going towards right. Fucking going out on I a mean, limb. I mean, dude, when you make takes like Andre, you're gonna have some, you're gonna have some contradiction. You know, when everything you say is as extreme as this man, <laughs> like, if, like you and I hit, you know, all sorts of contradiction all the time because we yeah. put so many opinions out there. But like Andre 
literally steps out into the light like it's his fucking last day on earth every time i ask him a movie opinion <laughs> and i salute him we the movie blues podcast salute you Andre. We, we need to be supporting them trying to make failures like this sean youngman says i enjoyed the subtleties in the different perspective perspectives which actually spoke volumes and are what makes memorable and effective film Jodie Comer ends up as the MVP as she exposes the primitive and brutish conduct of the times and bravely refuses to let her rapist go unpunished. I think it's an important story and is well acted, although some of the dialogue was clumsy. Blech. Yep, I agree with that take. Yeah, I bet you do. All right, Ben Barnable. Um, really enjoyed it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Like seeing the small differences uh, based on each of the characters' perspective perspectives loved everyone in it and i'm sorry if i'm constantly stammering when i do this exercise because i don't fix their grammar yeah so like i'm kind of rewriting <laughs> some of these sentences you need like a little trigger for like the word someone saying like sick yeah pretty much like a parenthesis sick don't know why it'd be hard to take ben affleck seriously in this role when the role is being a rich alcoholic asshole <laughs> <laughs> amazing take probably my favorite one of this you serious you serious um long but didn't feel long <laughs> yeah it did um more entertaining slash kept my interest more than all the overlong movies that came out this year would easily recommend okay well i i feel like nobody should ever talk about this movie longer than we have especially with not mentoring jody comer even one time until the end <laughs> who's like that's what everyone's going crazy about this movie for they think that she's such a revelation in it whatever <laughs> i thought she was fine in it <laughs> like she's good i guess i don't know i saw her in free guy last week <laughs> and she was terrible so not really sure and oh god that movie was oh that my god that movie was not good pretty stupid um so got to keep in mind the same people throwing eights at this movie like were screaming at me for giving free guy a 6.5 in the rental zone last week to those people get some class because <laughs> that movie was fucking stupid and this movie uh, was way better than free guy oh yeah yeah but i gave it point one more <laughs> <laughs> but like like Free Guy, I will never watch this movie again. Are you just feel like a movie you want to watch again? No, but no. if it was like you know, five years from now, I'm at a house and they're scrolling and they're like, yeah, like, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're drinking. You want to watch the last? We're duel. drinking. You want to watch the last duel? I'd be like, whatever. You want to watch a two-hour movie about rape? Yeah, yeah, that's fucking the life of the party. I watch right it there. at my bachelor's party. <laughs> <laughs> right after we, never mind. Right after we eat scones. Right after we strawberry. bury that body. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, there are very few movies of this nature. Just like I don't rewatch action movies ever, like or period pieces ever. Right. I guess I've watched The Piano twice in my life, but I, I uh, well, I you know disagree because like Gladiator, I've seen probably fifteen times. Gladiator is an it. interesting point. I've watched Gladiator um, a couple times. I've watched Kingdom of Heaven probably four or five times. I would rewatch. You know what this movie resembled, but like 
with a traumatic brain injury was Barry Lyndon a little bit in its its, <laughs> its scope, but also its ins- insistence. First of all, Barry Lyndon's a movie about duels, so don't laugh too hard. I'm just laughing because um, this movie had like at least a pace to it, whereas Barry Lyndon dragged you was like a perfect movie, but it was slow as shit compared well, to this movie. It was like an hour longer than this movie. That was an incredibly long movie. Yeah, and it was makes this movie look like a fucking sleaze rag. You'd read it at Den- Dennis. Yeah, office. yeah, for sure. I mean that that movie. Uh, I'm not, I will watch that movie yeah, for the rest of my life, um, and I just saw it this year for the first time. I gave time. Barry Lyndon a nine. I gave this like a seven. Yeah, that, see, that's, whew, that's scary. What did I give Barry Lyndon? A Probably ten. A ten. That's a perfect movie. It, it, could sh- it could shave some time off. I mean, what can't? This movie could have shaved that entire half an hour off. I like the length they of showed it. Me I felt good about the length of this movie. They showed me the same rape twice across an hour and 40 minutes and then a third time. Yeah, well, that's a certain demographic that they need to appeal to. Yikes. Dan. Baby. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Let's be done with it. Baby. Baby.